Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When the angels departed into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger. And when they saw it, they told all they had heard concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherd's words. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard. And after eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name that had been given by the angel before he was conceived. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In 2019, will you and I embrace the name that God has given us? In 2019, will you and I embrace the name that God has given us? You see, January the 1st isn't just New Year's. Within the church calendar, January the 1st is the feast of the naming of Jesus. It's this text that really is just one verse long where we're told that after eight days, Jesus was circumcised and then was given the name Jesus, the name that the angel had given him before he was conceived. See, names are extremely important in Scripture because your name in Scripture tells you who you are. If you don't know your name... You don't know who you are. And that's why at big transition points in Scripture, you'll see people getting different names. Abram becomes Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, right? Simon becomes Peter, Saul becomes Paul. Your name matters. Now, what's amazing is that if we look at this text, this naming of Jesus text here, in chapter 2 of Luke's Gospel, just verse 21, we see in it, a window into our own naming ceremony. You see, we too have been named. And I don't mean the name that you have on your birth certificate. Because of the nature of your baptism, because you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, you have a name in heaven, a new name that's been given to you. We share Jesus' own name. In fact, we bear Jesus' own name. See, it's in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, where we read that in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Christian literally means little Christ. A Christian is someone who is a little Christ. It means from the point of Acts chapter 11 on, that the way the world looked in on Jesus' followers was not just as a group of followers, people who are trying to you know, follow after him, but they were looking on a group of people who were trying to be like him, who were seeking to be little Christs in this world. And that's the name that's been given to each of us who are in Christ, Christian. The problem is we have a terrible tendency to forget our name. We have a terrible tendency to forget who we are. One of my favorite movies when I was growing up as a kid was the Muppets Take Manhattan, right? There's Kermit the Frog. You know Kermit the Frog? Hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here. That's the only uh, impersonation I do, and it's that bad. But the point is, 
Kermit the Frog is this jolly frog trying to make it on Broadway and manages to get himself hit in the head and suffers amnesia, can't remember his name, can't remember who he is. He finds another group of frogs and he starts ignoring his friends, he starts ignoring his calling and he becomes an ad executive. But thankfully at the end of the movie, Miss Piggy karate chops him back to his senses. And he remembers who he is. He remembers his name. And he's able to live back into the calling on his life. Now, we have a terrible tendency to forget our names as Christians. To forget that's what we are. To forget who we are. And maybe this text today, this naming of Jesus text, is meant to be that divine karate chop to remind us. Who are you? What is your name? See, here's what's amazing. As we look at this text We Christians who suffer amnesia so regularly, we are able to find here a reminder of who we are, a reminder of our own name. See, Jesus' naming here in verse 21 of chapter 2 becomes a window so that we can understand our own naming, so we can understand what it means for God to name us Christian. See, your name, Christian, tells you and I whose we are. Whose we are. Who is in charge? Who owns us? Who has authority in our lives? But not only does your name Christian tell you whose you are, it also tells you what you are. It gives you purpose. It gives you identity. It gives you a sense of focus. But not only... I've got something stuck. There we go. You guys are used to me sucking on um, cold, cold tablets. Our, um, we call them fishermen's friends in Canada. Y'all have those down here, fishermen's friends? Y'all have. I've lived down here now. It's been almost three years. <laughs> Although I will tell you, walking around in this temperature, this should feel like a crisp Ottawa, you know, September morning, and I am freezing. I just got to tell you, the transition is near complete. But not only are we told whose we are and what we are with our name, But thanks be to God, we're told why we are. And the gospel is in the why. So first, whose you are. See, the naming tells you whose you are. Your name, Christian, tells you whose you are. Verse 21 of our text, we're told that the name was given by the angel. Right? The name was given by the messenger from God. In other words, God gave the name Jesus. Remember in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1, both Mary and Joseph are told his name shall be called Jesus. Before he's even conceived, they're told what his name will be. And here's the key. The parents don't get to name him. I've said this before, but here's the point. The parents don't get to name him because in a biblical worldview, the person who names you has authority over you. And Mary and Joseph can ultimately, though this child will be obedient to them, they really don't have any authority over the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Son of God who is moving into their home. Right? They can't name him. Only God the Father can name them. Right? There's a moment back in Genesis when Adam is naming the animals. Right? God brings the animals in front of Adam and he names them. And that moment of naming the animals is a moment of authority. It's Adam demonstrating that he has been given, God-given authority over these animals to care for them, protect them. He names them. 
in a not so glorious way, we also see in scripture that when a king defeats another king and puts that king in submission, that victorious king will often rename the other king. In 2 Kings chapter 23, Pharaoh Necho comes through Judah and takes King Josiah's son, Eliakim, and renames him Jehoiakim. And you want to say, what's the deal there? And the point is, Pharaoh Necho is saying, all right, King Jehoiakim, who gave you your name? I named you. I have authority over you. Right? So here in Jesus' naming, the first thing we see is that this is a name that is given by God, and therefore it tells Jesus whose he is. His Father in heaven is the only one who has authority. In Jesus' earthly life, he lives completely under the authority of his Father. He knows whose he is to the core of his being. There's that moment in John chapter 19. Right? Jesus, beaten, flogged, about to be crucified, he stands in front of Pilate, and the question of authority comes up. And what does Pilate say? Pilate says in chapter 19 of John's Gospel, verse 9, he says, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. In other words, even Jesus in his weakest, most vulnerable moment knows whose he is. It is by the authority of my father. He is the only authority I stand under. Jesus to the core of his being knows whose he is. And friends, this is what our name Christian is meant to speak over us. Whose are you? Whose am I? You see, the problem is our world tells us that we need to go name ourselves, right? The world tells you and me that we need to go out and we need to seek deep within and we need to search wide and far and discover who you are, discover who I am and name yourself. Give yourself your own identity. Then you've got authority over your life. You have said who you are. The problem is this is exactly what happened in Genesis chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel, right? There's humanity gathering together in Genesis 11 and they say, let's build this mighty tower into the heavens. And why are they doing it? They said, so that we may make a name for ourselves. In other words, we don't need any God over us. We can establish our own authority. We can decide who we are and we can name ourselves. But the problem is that when we seek to name ourselves, Whatever it is that we find that will help identify us, whatever we find that will help name us, whether it's our work, whether it's our relationships, whether it's our security, those things that we get our name by, oh, this will define me, this will be my identity. Whatever of those things helps you find your identity, well, that thing owns you. That thing has authority over you. See, you, you can't escape it. Wherever you get your name from, that will be who's in authority over your life. And so if it's your work, then suddenly you'll say, well, I guess, you know, I've given my life over to my work. And yet at the end of the day, any of those idols, anything that is not God, work, security, even yes, your family, if you get your identity there, if you get your name there, those idols will do one thing for sure. They will always disappoint because your idols cannot do what God can do for you. Your idols will always fail you. And so at the end of your days, you will be standing, if you got your work, say, your identity, your name from your work, you'll be saying, my work failed me. 
If you get it from your security, you'll be looking at your security, who owns you, and you'll be saying, my security didn't ultimately get me exactly where I wanted. And even, yes, warning, even in your relationships, in your own homes, if that is where you get your name, if that is where I get my name and my identity, ultimately, those fallen people you live with will fail you, and you will say, you did not give me what you tr- I trusted you to give me. You failed me. Anything we place in the position of authority over us that is not God is an idol. And every idol, whatever that thing is, will fail us. And therefore, you will end up hating it in the end. But whose are we? See, we've been given a name in baptism. The name Christian. Why do you think we call baptism christening? It means that Christ is being placed on you. Christ's name is being placed on you. You are bearing Christ into the world. You've been given this new name through the waters of baptism. And in that moment, in that naming, you and I are told whose we are. In that moment of coming through the waters of baptism, you and I are being told by God, you are mine. That is whose you are. I think of George Mueller. Some of you know the story of George Mueller who founded Ashley Down Orphanage in Bristol, England. In his ministry, in this poor, poor region of England, he was able to minister personally to over 10,000 orphans. George Mueller was able to establish 117 schools, minister to over 120,000 poor students. And he was accused by many of the aristocracy in his day of the great sin of raising the poor above their natural station. And when George Mueller was asked how he could give his life completely over to this work, this is what he said. He said, there was a day when I died, utterly died. Died to George Mueller. His opinions, his preferences, his tastes, and his will died to the world, died to its approval or its censure, died to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I have studied to show myself approved only to God. George Mueller was a man who knew whose he was. And it's no different from who you are and I are in Christ. We know whose we are if we have come through the waters of baptism. Christian. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, Christian, your name tells you and I whose we are. But not only whose we are, our name, Christian, tells us what we are. See, as we look at Jesus' own naming, we see verse 21 again say that they called him Jesus. And here's what's, what's great. In his name, Jesus, he sees his mission. He sees his work. He sees the what of his life. What is he called to? He's called to be Jesus. Jesus means God saves. Yeshua, God to the rescue. At the very core of his name, he knew through his life, this is my work, this is my ministry, this is my purpose, this is my what. And what's amazing about Jesus is he was absolutely clear on his what. He was absolutely clear on his purpose. He knew it. It, In fact, I think it really undid a lot of people around him. 
It unnerved them how clearly Jesus understood his what, what he was called to. Because there's a moment, uh, I love it, in, in Mark chapter 1, where they've had this wonderful prayer meeting revival the evening before. And all kinds of people got healed. Crowds, houses full of people got healed at Jesus' hands. The next morning, Jesus has gone off to a solitary place to pray. And the disciples find him. And basically, this is what they say to him. They say, um, you know, Jesus, what are you doing? We've got a big crowd gathering, you know, uh, such a successful ministry night. We've got plans to build an arena. You know, let, let's get ready. And what does Jesus say? He says in verse 38 of Mark chapter 1, he says, let us go on to the next villages that I may preach there. For that is why I came. See, Jesus understood why he came. He came to save the world. He came to bear our sins. He, everything about his life was looking towards the proclamation of his good news that he had come to die in our place, to be raised so that our death would no longer have a dominion over us. This is what Jesus had in mind in every part of his life. And even his closest friends couldn't get him off his mission. Jesus knew the core of what his what was. Because he knew his name. I know who I am. I know what I'm called to. Whose I am, but what I am. I'm Jesus. I'm here to save the world. And he stayed on mission. The question for you and I is, what is our what? What are we called to? Why are we, what are we here for? What is your vocation? What is yours and my life work? Well, it's in your name. The name God gave you at baptism, Christian, little Christ. See, regardless of where our work takes us, whether it's you know, out in the marketplace or in the home or in our neighborhoods, right? Every place where God calls us to serve, ultimately there's a core calling underneath all of it. It's the call to be as Christ in the world, to be little Christs, to live into Christ-likeness, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the call. This is the work. This is the what of our lives because our name tells us, what am I called to? Remember your name, Christian. I'm called to be a little Christ by his grace alone in this world. One of my favorite naming stories, some of you have heard me say it before, is from Alexander the Great. Right? You go back to Alexander the Great, you know, emperor of the world at that time, right? The known world. And at one point, the story goes that Alexander is walking by, uh, you know, through his armies. And there's a little section where there's a group of deserters that have been found. Now, deserting in the army in the Greco-Roman world is the worst thing you could do. It was a capital offense. And these deserters have been found. And the emperor is walking by and he's observing these deserters. And he notices that one of the, observer, one of the deserters kind of you know, looks him right in the eye and has a little bit of a smirk on his face. And the emperor stops and looks at this deserter and says, why are you smirking at me? And the deserter says to the emperor, well, my name is Alexander too. And the emperor says to him these words as the story goes, change your ways. Change your ways. Change your ways or change your name. See, if this name Christian has been placed on us, one of the things we need to grapple with 
And the reason we come to repent and confess our sins every time we gather is we recognize just how much we have not lived into our name, how much we've forgotten to live as Christ in this world. But here's the good news. God has made us for this. There's this wonderful section in Psalm 139 that says, you, I, I praise you, Lord, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You knit me together in my mother's womb. In other words, God knew when he made you how to form you and fashion you in a way that you could live according to the name he had given you. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church so that God's own presence comes and begins, begins living within each of us to enable us to begin living into this calling, this what in our lives, to be Christians, to bear his name in the world. And I'll tell you, there's nothing like seeing a person live into their name as a Christian. There's nothing like it. And we can see examples of this in our world. We had a moment uh, a few months back where our dwarf uh, mouse got loose in the house. So we had a dwarf mouse got out of the cage. And the problem is the dwarf mouse is very small, big house, no idea where the dwarf mouse is. Monica and Kiralee are looking head top to bottom in the house, cannot find the dwarf mouse. I'm getting worried because I'm thinking, you know, somehow it's going to breed and get in the walls. Now, there's only one dwarf mouse. I've obviously got some biology challenges. But the, but the issue is we're worried about the dwarf mouse. How's it going to be found? And then finally, Monica remembers that we have a mini schnauzer. I say this because schnauzers, some of you may know, are actually bred to hunt rats. Like they're bred for this. And so Monica brings the mini schnauzer upstairs. Now, no harm intended for the dwarf mouse, but we're going to find it. Brings the mini schnauzer upstairs and instantly that mini schnauzer's got the scent. He's off in moments. He's got the dwarf mouse cornered. Now the other dog gets involved. He doesn't quite know what's going on, but he's part of this. And they, the two dogs have got this dwarf mouse cornered. Monica and Kiralee save the dwarf mouse, get him back in his cage. Everything is safe. What's amazing is seeing a creature live into what it's bred for. That effortless living into what you've been bred for. What have you and I been bred for? refashioned, reformed, inspired by the Holy Spirit for, to live as Christ in this world. That is what you and I have been formed to be in this world. Now, thanks be to God, the gospel is still coming now as I finish with my why. Because at this point, if we left it here, we could be left rather miserable because though we recognize that our name, Christian, tells us whose we are, who's got authority in our lives, and our name, Christian, tells us what we are, called to be little Christs in the world, proclaiming, living out that gospel. The difficulty we face, if we don't get to the why, is this. Okay, I know whose I am and I know what I am, but I know what an utter failure I am at it. I know that I don't live up to it. Again and again, I fall short of this name. Are you ready for the gospel? Well, here's the gospel. Your name, Christian, tells you not only whose you are or what you are, but tells you why you are. See, in Jesus' own naming, there's this moment here in verse 21 where we're told that his name, Jesus, was given by the angel before he was conceived 
in the womb. In other words, let's be clear. Before Jesus was even born, the name had been given. Now, it's not a big shock for us to say the eternal son of God, right? Eternal son of God had his name, as the rest of scripture will tell us, you know, from the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, right? Eternity means that, right? Has always been thus. That's not a shock to us. Yeah, okay, Jesus' name always existed. God always had a plan. It was always going to happen. But here's what is a shock. Your name was written before the foundation of the world as well. Your name, to be named Christian, to be given that name of Christ, was written for you before the foundation of the world. Long before you were born or your parents were born, God already had planned that he was going to make you and call you and name you Christian. See, in Jeremiah chapter 1, we hear these words. God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Before you, I knew you. Before you were born, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. But even more so, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul lays out this glorious picture of what God has done for us in calling us from darkness into light. And he says this about the why of our lives. He said, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ our Lord. The why of your name. Why me? Okay, understand that my name means I know whose I am and what I am, but why me? It's not because God looked down and said, well, here's one that's mostly well put together. I'll name them that and they can kind of grow into it. It's not because God looked down and said, oh, I favor this one over here. They just look pretty good. It's not because we rose to some sort of moral accomplishment or because we are so wonderful. No, the Lord came to each of us as we are. The why is because in love he chose us. And that's the gospel. Nothing you could do, nothing I could do could earn this name. Why would he put his name on me? Because he chose you in love. He made the decision in love before the foundation of the world to choose you to put his son's name on you. It wasn't an accident. You didn't earn it, and you can't lose it. That name has been on you from the foundation of the world, Christian. I saw this probably the most personally about a year ago. It was early 2018. I was at my annual retreat in Murfield, England. I go to a monastery there, and I was sitting in a little prayer garden, multiple prayer gardens, a little prayer garden, and I have affectionately, privately named that prayer garden the entrance to Narnia. Because I'm pretty sure if there is a real entrance to Narnia, that's the prayer garden. And I was sitting there in that morning just, just praying to the Lord. And the, and the thing that kept coming back to me again and again as I prayed, as I looked, it was a year ago, so I looked over what had been a year and a half, you know, being brought to Christ Church, you know, coming into this, this context, serving in, in, this, in this environment, you know, 40 years old, largest Anglican church in North America, rector, and I sat there absolutely humbled and at the end of myself. And you know the question I kept saying to myself 
Well, I wasn't to myself. I was saying it to God. Why me? Why me? Like, honestly, why me? You know me. Why me? And after several hours of asking that question there at the entrance to Narnia, I heard a word of scripture almost as clearly as an audible voice next to me. And this was the answer to my why me. And this is the answer to your why me. Why would God put his name on you? Because you are my chosen instrument. You are my chosen instrument. I I was at the end of myself. But this is what he speaks over you as well. Why? You are my chosen instrument. Those words, you know, come from Acts chapter 9 at the conversion of St. Paul. It's where Ananias is being told to go pray for him. And Ananias is like, Lord, do you know who this guy is? Do you know who this guy is? There's no way you could possibly pour your blessing into his life. There's no way you could call him to this. And what what does the Lord say to Ananias? He says, go, he is my chosen instrument. This is the gospel. This is the why. It means that you and I can look on our failures as Christians And yet the answer to why stays the same. Chosen in love. You can look at your monumental failures and those times that you've put your Christianity under a bushel. And the answer to the why is still the same. Chosen in love. This is grace. This is the gospel. This is what your name means. In 2019, will you and I embrace the name that God has given us? The name given to each of us in our baptism. Christian, little Christ. The naming of Jesus is this window into our own naming. Now the world will say to you, name yourself. The world will say that you need to find a different vocation and focus for your life. And the world will never speak a word of grace over you. It will all be about merits. And so my admonition to you and to me for 2019 as your rector is in 2019, come to church each week and let word and sacrament tell you your name. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.